Number five, I can't believe it. We're ready to go today. We have hot takes. We're ready to go. We need a massive redemption after last week's debacle. We had an epic, like, minute 20 rolling. And then Phil had technical difficulties, phone died, and our lives were lost. Yeah, man. Some are saying it was the best minute 20 of any podcast ever, but we're here now. It was a rough break. Rough break. Um, so what what are we talking about today? First thing we thought would be interesting and cool to bring up on the podcast would be, yeah, everyone can talk about the MJ documentaries and we'll let other podcasts do that. But can you hit me with kind of what players in the league have MJ traits or resemble some form of what we're seeing in this documentary? Who comes to mind? So the last two episodes that went down last night really highlighted MJ's like psychopath degenerateness competitiveness um i think that was the real takeaway from from it um and he was just a savage so when i think of qualities that he has i think of like hyper competitive um really an alpha in every way possible and obviously an extreme talent who wants to impose his will on on um opponents like almost in a, in a selfish way in a team game so that's kind of what my takeaway was um as far as those last two episodes so when i think of players let's start with you who comes to mind for you first yeah man i think the number one and maybe it's because i'm a miami heat fan in addition to being a knicks fan is like jimmy butler's that what exactly what you just talked about that crazy competitiveness like where you're competitive in everything, where you're waking up, you're going to the gym at 4.30 in the morning. So that's the first player that uh, that I see in MJ trade. And I think he does a great job in Miami. I think he's cr- crushing it for sure. So I'll start with one. Uh, my first one I'm going to go with is Kawhi. One, because physically I do see kind of a resemblance, but mentality-wise, which is really the topic of conversation, he seems just super focused on the task at hand, kind of with like blinders on, similar to MJ, almost like this killer mentality that it's that all the the side circus or whatever won't really take him off of his game. So Kawhi is the first one that comes to mind for me. For sure. And in a similar similar way to that, I think KD comes to mind. I think it, it sometimes gets lost how much of a competitor this guy really is. Like he was the one really helping the Warriors win these last couple championships. So I think I definitely, although MJ, or sorry, although KD is a little bit more low key in terms of his like demeanor, he's definitely a gamer like MJ. And I definitely see a little bit in that. Yes and no. I don't love the fact that he kind of relies on that organization um, continuity per se of uh, like him jumping ship to go to the Warriors because they had that infrastructure. MJ kind of was the infrastructure. Um, It was like his team. It was his league. So from that standpoint, maybe mentally, I view Durant a little bit weaker from that perspective. And I'm actually going to go with my second guy on the list, Steph Curry, because Mm. Steph Curry seems like someone who kind of gives really no fucks. He's his own trend center. He's like kind of goofy with his shimmies, which with his, 
stuff like that. And he kind of does his own swagger, coolness. Um, and when we remember from his dual MVP years, back-to-back MVP years, he was like coming to the gym, shooting those half-court shots. Everyone was watching. That Warriors team led by him and him being kind of the MJ was that like same kind of circus and drive. So I'm going to go with Steph Curry. I think that's a good comparison for sure. And let me hit you with someone who I think is displaying anti-MJ uh an anti-MJ approach to basketball in 2020 and someone that comes to mind and maybe I don't have enough context to say this is like Devin Booker. I think what an unbelievable talent we have here with this guy. But when you see how hard MJ is going at people and killing people, I don't know that Devin Booker who might be doing some other shit outside of just focusing on basketball. I don't know if he's feeling the, if he has that MJ trait, what do you think of that? Do you think it's a Fortnite? I think he's playing Fortnite. I think, dude, honestly, this guy is just like a 21st century kid, you know? Like, MJ didn't have shit else to do besides play basketball. That was his whole life. Now there's a lot of crazy shit a young kid can do. So I think it's different. Well, the league has that mentality as a whole. You know, a lot of these, especially the younger players, I think are are less of an edge, less of grit, uh, more just out there having fun. and. I mean, I can't disagree with you. There's one video that surfaced once in a summer when he was playing in a gym and Joe Kim Noah started guarding him uh, like really intensely. And he's like, yo, this is like, oh, what are you doing? And Noah's like, no, once I we lace him up, like this is how we play. And I remember Kobe even chimed in on it. His opinion was like, no, every time I step on the court, I'm trying to like kill. So these guys don't really have that same mentality. And that's the epicness of NJ. I'll hit you with one more uh, positive one that I kind of think. I think Chris Paul, and we've we've been a kind of a Chris Paul lovers podcast, but he's kind of so angry. And uh, if you remember when they were competing, kind of on those those uh, Clipper days, he was like kind of a rude, pissy, like angry guy, and he just was very focused on winning even though it didn't work out for him but i see him having some of those traits as well for sure man and i think i think that is what it is there's so many players that have taken elements of mj's game and and do implement it in the in the game today yeah all right i like that um so this past weekend also we were looking at some draft tape and we we took a look at some of the boards we looked at some of the film and some of these uh, ranker people i don't know what they're called what's their former title i have no fucking idea we were looking at some mock drafts man like what is going on this year y- you can like say that this draft is a down year blah 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 but what are they doing in terms of a talent evaluation standpoint yeah some of the guys that we've we'll, we'll point out ahead here that they've singled out as as being top top prospects I just can't make of it. So with that, maybe let's start off with guys that we really hate and just can't get our head around why people have them going in the top five. Yeah. Can I start on this one? Yeah. Yeah. Let me hit you with number two on Bleacher Report's latest mock draft. Number two, the number two prospect, Denny Avedija. I don't know how you pronounce it. Someone will tell me later. Dude, this guy is weak. We watch film on this kid like – Yes, he has some elements of like making threes and like and like kind of getting to the hoop in like a really inferior league, but like 
this is not someone who's going to come into the NBA and, and do well at all this year. Maybe he's three years away, but I think it's crazy that he's number two on anyone's mock draft. And I think it's almost crazy to consider him in the top 10. While we're on the MJ season documentary, one of his comps, and I do see some of it, is this Tony Kukoc kind of um, comp. But Kukoc has so much more on ball skills. Like in Europe, he was just torching people. He was kind of like a go-to guy, number one option, especially on the those national teams. So I don't really see it. I see more of like the Dario Saric type of guy uh, and even worse, like Dragon Bender, which sure. would be like horrifying. I remember watching video of Dragon Bender playing in Maccabi Tel Aviv, and they're like, wow, what a form, what a stroke. And similar to this guy, I just don't see it. I can't really see him going in the top 10 or panning out to be top 10 value. Yeah, we saw some like corner three stuff that he can do, which is just like really good for the modern NBA. But just from a true gamer and being like an NBA pillar of your team, this is not, this guy isn't it. And I think the, these, these mock drafts or whatever, they haven't done the research, in our opinion, in my opinion, you know. I got someone for you. Talk to me. So James Wiseman, we watched some tape on him. Mo- a lot of these places are like number one pick, oh James Wiseman. Warriors saying, we're going to take James Wiseman, number oh one, God. if we have the number one pick. Um, and I just don't know, like, if anyone has learned from drafting Bagley and Aiton over Trey Young and Luka Doncic yet, but they need to stop this immediately. Now he's not like totally dysfunctional of a player, but at best he may be some version of like Deandre Jordan. And that's a good player. Like he'll gobble up rebounds, but if we're making, Deandre Jordan and, um, I'm not trying to invest in Deandre Jordan for the long run as someone who can do much else than catching alley-oops and rebounding the ball. And when it comes to contract extension for this guy, you're going to have to probably pay him. Uh, I mean, it always comes down to the fact of like, okay, are you going to max him out or are you not going to max him out? And you just don't want to be near anyone who's a big man and having that being your core base of a player. So let's pass on him now and move forward. Yeah, and I feel really similarly about his ceiling being DeAndre Jordan. The guy's good, man. Like, we're not trying to say this isn't a good prospect. We're not trying to say he's not going to be a good basketball player. But if you are using this guy at, like, a 25% and plus usage rate ever, your team's going to fucking suck because he's just a big man who can catch. He's not someone you're going to want to play to in the post. We didn't like the tape, man. He just, like, we didn't see it. We... There, I'm going to talk about someone I love who jumped off the page, and maybe we'll look back on this and regret regret saying we don't like James Wiseman. But for now, it's a hard pass, man. Again, not in our top ten, probably for sure. And what Drummond got traded for? Like fucking Drummond was traded for a second round pick. Does this not tell you anything about what the market value going rate for these people are? Are these people on crack? He would be lucky to – he would honestly, from what we saw, we think he would be lucky to be Andre Drummond, obviously, right? He's a smooth runner. He's long. He's a rebounder. I mean, he's a fluid big. There's no denying that. But the – we have yet to see someone be positively incorporated. Like Clint Capella was like the, <laughs> a decent version of this in Houston, and he was also just traded for like a second-round pick. So Yeah, a little more. 
I, I think we got our, yeah, whatever, late for, who knows. Um, Let me talk to you they, about someone I love, yeah? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, cool. So after we looked at the tape, for me, and I think me and Jordan do differ on this, for me there was a clear number one, and it was Obi Topin out of Dayton, the power forward. Uh, Jordan thought my comp was a little aggressive, but to me, man, what I was seeing was a power a power forward version of Jason Tatum. Like, this guy is explosive going to the hoop. He's got a big frame. He's only going to get stronger. He looks – he's obviously a little more mature. I think he's played a couple years in college, but – Everything I saw to Obi Topin, to me, although not that point guard, not that Luca, not that Trey, he's just the talent this year, in my opinion. And I, I have him as the clear number one. Uh, who do you have at number one? One, I think that's interesting, and I don't hate Topin. Um, one thing I will say, I see more of like this Sean Marion type of guy who's very valuable in this league, and he, you could pl- play him like death lineups at center which is also extremely important. So I like him. He's an athlete. It's great to draft athletes. If you're going to draft a big draft, someone who could guard multiple positions. Um, and I would invest in him for sure. Just, I need to go with a little more explosiveness and upside and, um, someone who just has more on ball skills and try to strike gold. And what I saw from Edwards, who most people have going somewhere in the top three, most have him either going one or two, um, he just seems to have like kind of that on ball skill, that flow to his game. He can get hot at any time. He can shoot deep threes. Um, and he's super athletic too. So my comp for him is kind of like a mature version of Jalen Brown, what Jalen Brown has kind of turned into, which is a really good player. And, um, we see a ton of these guys in the league that are really successful. Jimmy Butler's Jim, Jalen Brown's, uh, athletic wing players that are, are, are big bodies and can can um, do a lot of everything. So I think it's just the safest bet, and I would take him one. Yeah, and I loved Anthony Edwards too. I, I saw a little bit more of like a, just like a killer shooter and a, a real gamer, like a Clay Thompson was someone something that jumped out to me just as a comp or a ceiling. And I had him number two on my board. I think it was a clear cut number two. So I think we are kind of establishing a little bit of a top two in this draft that that although this draft, again, has been shit on and shit on and shit on, I think there is going to be some major fucking hype and excitement, especially because of everything that's going on in the world. Maybe to trade for that first pick, maybe to realize that that's a real asset and the second pick. So uh, I'm definitely with you. Let me hit you with my third player that's a little bit of a shocker relative to the mock drafts. This mock draft has LaMelo Ball, and we like LaMelo Ball. I definitely have him in my top five, but not in my top three. The third person for me was Tyrese Maxey. Although he's a little bit undersized, I just loved what I saw from him on the tape. I think this is a guy who can come in and be your seventh man today. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he's a little too, like, he just doesn't have a role in the NBA. But I love Tyrese Tyrese Maxey on the tape, and he's my uh, number three. Who's uh, who's in your top? And I'm going to back off my love for... After watching a little more tape, I'm going to back off my LaMelo love a little bit. We are concerned about his first step, his ability to get separation. He just does, though, have some serious on-ball skills, flow to his game, ability to shoot jumpers. I don't want to make the same mistake of I was kind of a Trey Young hater, and I don't want to like hate on someone who just has, seems to have good offensive flow, um, could play with with tempo, 
and seems to somewhat fit this this lackadaisical modern NBA. So I'm going to keep him in my three, but I do want to shout out another guy who I really don't like. And um, this may be a little controversial as well as Cole Anthony. I don't see him being anything resembling an NBA player. I don't even think I have a comp for him. Like He's kind of like a Tyus Jones kind of like college player in my eye. And this is not someone you want to go near at all. He's not athletic. He doesn't seem to be elitely athletic. He has awkward looking game. It just won't look like he can impose his will offensively. I see him settling in as like maybe an eighth, ninth man off the bench. Yeah, man. And I completely agree with you. I hated him. I hated his his advanced stats in college. Uh, when we did dive into the tape this weekend, we just were like, how is this guy going to get this done at the next level? So we'll be surprised if he really is anything above a ninth or a tenth man. And uh, and I agree. I don't have him in my top 15 as of now, and I don't see him uh, working his way in. And, I, and maybe let, this draft is by no means stacked, but – Having a top two pick, top three pick in this draft, like I will take that. I will um, take an investment for sure in Edwards topping as well. Um, I think these are good, good guys to to get get on your team and athletes, good players. All right, can you take us into our final segment of the day, uh, politics? What are we talking about? So one thing you brought up to me recently is that Joe Biden's percentage chance of actually being the democrat nominee post democrat convention is 75 percent now one person would think this is the clear-cut front runner it should be somewhere maybe in the high 90s you know he's winning all these delegates and and what's going on so what is going on so here's the deal, man. He's pretty much running unopposed at the current moment. I think in states like New York, they've even taken Bernie's name off the ballot. Uh, so yeah, from a math point of view, this should be a 95% favorite. This should be a 98% favorite. So over my career in looking into these odds and gambling in general, when you see someone who should be a 99.8% favorite, you know, rated as a 70% favorite in Vegas, you know something's up. Two things. The rape allegations or the sexual assault allegations against him from Tara Reid are not good. Like they're not going away, man. They're they're not good and they're not going away. And and just to bring it up again, this is his fourth presidential uh, attempt at becoming the Democratic Democratic nominee. He got he got uh, replaced one year for plagiarism, multiple accounts of plagiarism through speeches. And I think what, what's becoming inevitable and why the odds are what they are is because the Republicans, when it really is locked in on Biden, are going to just drop fucking attack after attack after attack. And it's going to be ruthless. And he might just shrivel up and become a raisin. He might become a human raisin. And then they might have to go with a different uh, Democratic nominee. Yeah, it's an interesting point. And one thing I saw this week weekend was it was Berkshire Hathaway's annual conference led by Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is 89 years old. He is the CEO and he led this conference. This is someone who's like home. Like this is not an age thing. I'm not like ageist here. Like he is home. Yes. You look through his eyes. He speaks. You can talk to this man. And this is a cohesive, like somewhat normal man. And if, Biden at 89 years old was like, or whatever his age is, but if he was like what 
Warren Buffett is at 89. This is a whole different story. But this is a sick, sick man. Like, there is no one home. And it actually might be a realistic thing that that there may be some mayhem come the Democrat National Committee. And this brings me to our new point. There's some new rumors swirling. Hillary Obama, Barack Obama, ticket 2020. Are you in? So not only am I not in, dude, if you want to talk about the Democrats, you know, hating Russia, what happens in Russia is every X amount of years, Putin and someone else switch roles so they can remain in power. If the Democrats rolled out a Hillary Clinton, Obama ticket, what are you saying? What kind of message of the working class is that? So I am not in for this. I want this. First of all, they can do this. I just think immediate time to start opening new parties. Clearly, politics is way too just like polarized. We need five, six, seven, eight, nine parties. We need a new system. It's the age of technology, man. Like it's clear, like we need to really shake shit up post-corona. So that's my, uh, that's where I'm thinking there. Well, we've seen like Trump make it through who was not the establishment Republican. So you you can have non-establishment players. We saw Bernie make a little bit of noise. He's an independent from Vermont. So I don't necessarily think the parties are completely de- defining who's running or who's going to represent the platform. They're really kind of just pro- oppose two opposing points of view. And I don't necessarily think that's the problem. But relating to Obama-Hillary <laughs> ticket, that may be a really good chance for them to win, regardless of what you think. If they put that out, like people love Obama in this country. And hate Hillary. So just the whole like desire, it might just cause like a nuclear explosion on the spot once it's announced just from the divisiveness. Yeah. But it also will gain a lot of clickbait and a lot of free airtime. And I would think that ticket would be like a minus 350 against Trump. I do not agree at all. And let me present you with this, man. I, I saw some really telling stats this morning. Pretty much right now, 25% of registered voters are Democrats and 25% are registered Republicans. That's leaving about, for whatever reason, it's just like in the mid forties because some people are just like disassociated from the whole process. But who's, what kind of democratic ticket is going to get that 45% and swing that vote? Cause usually when they do this polling, Democrats have a huge lead, man. And although Republicans win, that's just usually how it is. I have the answer. Tell me. A senile 80 plus year old, old man that is the answer that seems to be the deal like this guy is just not coherent i'm with you on not being ageist like when i hear warren buffett speak i'm like dude this guy's a fucking brilliant mind you know when i hear joe biden speak i'm thinking that i need to put like a bib on him and feed him like you know like crushed up peas so i don't (laughs) so that's why i'm with you on i don't think biden's going to be the democratic nominee i'm really interested to see who is but it's that this guy's fucking senile We will continue to monitor. We will continue to keep you all apprised. And with that, a very successful episode five.